God's will is that you get into the position for the spiritual side and the supernatural to work for you. gospel. That's where we were, the fourth chapter. And the 21st verse, I think it is. Um, just talked about the, Jesus had just ministered to the people about sower, sowing the word. Then in verse 21, he said, and he said unto them, is a candle brought to be put under a, ba- a bushel or a bed? and not to be set up on a candlestick. So the, the key point here is, why do you come here? You have to ask yourself, why do you come here? Do you come here to hear the truth or, do, or something else? Do you come here to get... Uh, accolades and pats on the back and you want us to tell you what a great job and a good person that you are what a great job you're doing with your life and your family and your employment when the very opposite is true when you can't keep it together when you're always living on the fringe on the outer edge never in the center always choosing when choices come you choose the wrong side where do you think the directions that you're to receive are going to come from? We're made up of three parts. We're a spirit, soul, and a body. There's a difference between spirit and soul. Okay? Inside a soul is, is a... Is a It's a different arena in the soul than it is in the spirit. But what happens is people people in their spiritual growth haven't reached the decision point that they can't trust their minds because it isn't what we think about something. It's what we know about something. There's a difference between thinking that you know it and knowing that you know it. When you know it, it isn't up here. It's here. You know that you know. Okay? It's spiritual. Well, the dealings that we have with God and the Holy Ghost, well, we just have to say with the Holy Ghost because he's a representation. Uh, God's not going to deal with you. The Holy Ghost is, because that's his ministry on the earth today. The Father is seated on the throne. We already have this description in Ephesians, remember? Jesus was raised to be seated on the right hand of the Father. So there's, there's the location where Jesus and the Father are. So the one that's left to deal with us is the Holy Ghost. Well, where, where... we have to understand this. This is, this is something that you have to get alone and decide to make this work for you. The Holy Ghost never deals with you in your mind. Don't misunderstand me. Mental and mind is important. But we have to know it's important in what arena, where. Because remember over in the, Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, and it says that we're to renew our minds. Don't misunderstand what that's about, what that's for. You don't renew your mind so God can deal with you in your mind. You renew your mind so it won't fight you in your spirit all the time. Because that's what the problem is. 
God is ministering to you in your spirit and your mind hasn't caught up yet. So the mind starts to give you pushback on what God's told you to do. And therefore, this is the reason why you have the Scripture there to renew it. You want to renew your mind from the Scripture, not from experience. You renew your mind from the Scriptures so that it will get an agreement with your spirit. Because remember three parts? When you have three parts of something, how much is the majority? Two parts is the majority, right? The idea is to get all three of them in agreement. But if you can get two of them in agreement, you're better than one fighting by itself. And that's what's happening to most Christians. It's the spirit's fighting by itself because the mind hasn't been renewed. And the mind, the mind, the mind is tied to the emotions. And the emotions are ruling because they've, they've ruled all this time. Now they want to continue to rule. And so they're interfering with, they're interfering with the spirit in, in, in each instance. When the Holy Ghost tells you to do something, you don't have any business letting the mind determine whether it's truth or not. But see, that's what happens to most people because they're trapped. They haven't, they haven't renewed their mind. They think that I'll renew your mind here. I can't renew your mind. All I can do is point you in some direction and tell you some things that the Holy Ghost revealed, that the Father's revealed to me, but I can't renew your mind. You are responsible to renew your mind. And if there's anything that needs, that's desperately needed in the body of Christ today is people to renew their mind to what? What, to what? what are you supposed to renew your mind to? To the Word. But if people do not understand the Word, they get into difficulties. For instance, for instance let's go to Romans 12. And look at verse 1. For, this is just for instance sake here. It's Paul's writing and he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So what do you think that means? What do you think Paul's telling us? In most cases, this is ministered to people because of the way it's ministered. It puts them back under the law. How, how, how would you describe an example of being under the law in reference to this verse? Doing something to make you acceptable. That's the law. So what does what's he say do? He said, uh, present yourself, present your bodies, not yourself, your bodies, a living sacrifice. So uh, the answer to this isn't here. Paul's already given this answer. Have you ever seen a living sacrifice? No, all sacrifices are dead. What's he telling us to do? He's telling us to present ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice. Well, the answer's not there. The answer's at the 6th chapter, verse 4. Romans 6, 4 is the answer. And here's the, here's the difficulty here. Without the revelation and without the knowledge of Romans 6, 4, you'll try to do this. You'll try to accomplish this mission here. You'll try to present your body a living sacrifice 
acceptable, wholly acceptable unto God. And the real problem is that's already been accomplished. What you have to do, what you have to do is in your life, as you live it, you recognize who you are in Christ. This has already happened to you. Go back, let's go back to Romans 6, 4 uh, and, and identify that real quick. Verse 1, that first statement. What then shall we say, or what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? If that statement is coming out of you, like it did out of these people, their premise is wrong to start with. We won't go back up here and read what, what to, to lay down the foundation for this, but Paul was tell, telling them what took place or telling us, or anybody else, actually, what took place at redemption. Okay? What took place at redemption was God took us out of Adam and placed us in to Christ. We had no longer, listen, we no longer have any affiliation with Adam Okay, we were taken out of Adam, which is darkness, which is spiritual death, and placed into Jesus, which is light, which is, which is life. The law, the, the law of what is found in the eighth chapter? The law of the spirit of life in Christ has accomplished something in each one of us. What has it accomplished? Set us free from what? The law of sin and death. So what happens is we, we do not major on what happened. We major on what we think happened. The scripture says it's happened. Let's, let's go to verse 4 of the 6th chapter and we'll identify this a little bit more. Okay, verse, verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death. Um, uh, that's the sacrifice. Because the sacrifice is always identified with death. Okay? So here, we're going to identify what Paul's talking about in 12, 12th chapter of Romans, verse 1. What did he say? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. This, this is when it's happening to us, right here. Verse, uh, therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in newness of life. What is a, what's the second portion that's required in that 12th, uh, that first verse of the 12th chapter? What was it? Present yourself a what? Living sacrifice. So in these, in these verses of Scripture right here, we're going to find living and we're going to find death. That's what we're going to find. So we've already found death, right? The very first line in, the, in this first, fourth verse is about death, wasn't it? We died with him, right? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That's life, right? That's not death, it's life. Okay, verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, that's death, right? Okay. We shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. That's life, isn't it? Verse 6. Know this that our old man is crucified with him. Death, right? Yes. Okay. That the body of sin might be de uh, delivered or destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. That's the death part again. That's the dead part. So what's being required of us in Romans 12 happened to us when we were removed out of Adam. 
So how are you going to make yourself? How are you going to present yourself a living sacrifice? You, re, you, you, you present yourself a living sacrifice with the knowledge that it's already happened to you. There, he's not requiring you to do something here. So here's what happens. In the ministry, when this verse of Scripture is ministered to people, who do not understand what took place and what's taking place, they start requiring people to do something to, to, to make themselves presentable. That's the law all over again. So the whole point when you're studying the Scriptures is to, to be aware that there's, there's two identities that we have to recognize. The law and grace continually. Now, we won't, we won't have time tonight. I wish we did. Uh, to go into a greater depth of the grace of God. Because we've adapted a cliche. What's the cliche? What's, what is the terminology for the grace of God? Unmerited favor. That. That's a true statement, but it's shallow, very shallow. The grace of God goes more, so much deeper than, than unmerited favor. Yes, it is unmerited favor, yes. But it's more, and if you're just going to live your life on that shallow part, you're going to miss out on, on, on the real truth. Because here's what happens. We're required... To acknowledge, according to Philemon 6, we're, to make our faith effectual, we're required to acknowledge what? All of the good things that are in us in Christ Jesus. Well, if we're only running shallow, then the good things that we know are very shallow. We need to start getting into the depth of the things so that we have greater knowledge of what happened to us when we were translated or transferred from Adam into Christ. Now listen, I'm amazed sometimes. Not at me, I'm amazed sometimes at what I hear and what I see and I listen to that people still haven't re received the revelation of who they are in Christ. They, I still believe, I believe, that they're running shallow there. They're not going into the depths like they should. When it says... We are the body of Christ. We say that so many times that it loses its real validity. It just becomes a statement. And we lose the meaning of it. What does that mean to you? That God has saw fit to allow us to be recognized as the pure body of Christ. And then he goes on to great detail in the, in, the, in the Apostle Paul's writing to identify where we are, how our thoughts are supposed to be arranged, what we should think on. What it tells us to think? Think on these things, right? Why does he say to do that? Because always, we're always going to be thinking on something. Nobody's mind operates in a vacuum. You, you, you know... A lot of people have difficulty going to sleep at night because they can't shut their mind down. They can't stop thinking. Okay? But what are they thinking about? Something. We have the right. We have a choice to make. We can choose what our thoughts are going to be upon. If, it couldn't, if we couldn't choose, then it, he wouldn't tell us, think on these things. He wouldn't tell us, raise your elevation. Think on heavenly things, not earthly things. Okay? Now, uh, I'm going to take a giant step here from the natural to the supernatural. 
Most people's problem in their life is they're trying to deal with their problems naturally. When if they'll take the step and move over to the spiritual side, that God can't help you with your problem when you're in the natural. You got your hands on it. You got your fingerprints all over it. It's yours. You want God to get involved? You're going to have to get out of the natural and move over to the spiritual. How do you do that? Number one, you have to be in Christ. Number two, it sure helps to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Number three, it helps to uh, recognize a constant renewal of the Spirit in your spirit. See, most people, here, here, here's, here's the dilemma. People come out of Adam into Christ. They're not taught. They're not challenged. They're more natural than they are spiritual. And they, and they, want, they want God to do things for them, but um, he's not going to because he's not going to get into the natural arena and he's not going to get into the mind game. He's in the spirit. That's where it's unlocked. The, the secrets of life are unlocked in the spirit, not in the mind. Now, the mind can be trained about spiritual things, but the spirit trains the mind. The mind doesn't train the spirit. Most people are trying to get their mind to train their spirits. And it's not doing them any good because it's not working. The petition is still there. The, the mental can't go into the spiritual. The spiritual can go in the mental, but the mental can't go in the spiritual. And there's where people are having difficulty. So... The majority of Christians today, the majority, are living below their privileges. They're living in a natural world. They're thinking natural thoughts, and they're trying to handle all their problems naturally. And they're wanting God to help them. And their prayers, their prayers are not answered because they're useless. Because they're asking God to do something that he's not going to do. He's not going to get in the mental realm with anybody. No one. Says God is a spirit. And they that worship him has to worship him in spirit and in truth. And for God to deal with you, he deals with you in your spirit. We started this a couple of weeks ago. We, we never... I don't know if we completed it, but it sure would help to, to review it. We need a, a constant renewal of the Spirit is very necessary in our lives. Now, how does this work? Well, think about it for a minute. A lot of people who are Christians, they go to church on Sunday. They may or may not come they may or might not go to church on Sunday night. They may, or, they may go back to church on Wednesday, but probably not. And they're trying to let that one event carry them through their whole week and accomplish things spiritually. But here's the whole problem with this. The majority of the time, once they leave church on Sunday, they don't think about God anymore till Sunday again when they start getting ready to, to, to reappear on Sunday morning. What about the time? What about the other six days here? There's no constant renewal of their spirit. It's a mind battle. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that they're not trying to win. I'm not saying that they're not trying to live. But there's a better way. For a believer, there's a better way. Now, for the world, that's the only way they know. But for a Christian, a believer, 
to be lowered their standards to that arena is wrong. It's an abomination. It is ungodly. It's not God's will. What is God's will in this arena, in this, in this thought line right here? What is God's will? God's will is that you get into the position for the spiritual side and the supernatural to work for you. And when you come up against something that's impossible naturally, it's not impossible spiritually. It's only impossible naturally. But if all you're going to do is engage the mind in it, it's impossible for you to win because the deck's stacked against you in the mental. You have to come over into the spiritual. How do you get over into the spiritual? By constantly re constant renewal of the Spirit in you. Okay, that's one. Let's go to number two. We did this. It's very important to walk in the Spirit. That the Holy Ghost can fully keep us informed of the manner in which God would have us to live. God will give you instructions by the Holy Ghost in your spirit when you walk or live in the spirit. But when you disengage with him and go six days without even thinking about him, what do you expect? It's a, in other words, you got to keep your mind constantly on winning, not losing. Winning. God didn't have Jesus go to the cross and bring people from all over the world to form up the body of Christ for the body of Christ to be a mockery to the world. No. But what happens is the body of Christ is lagging back and behind in their knowledge, in wisdom, in understanding. And why? Why are they lagging? Why, why are they lacking knowledge? Why, are they, why does it seem like it, it's being withheld? It isn't being withheld. They can't accept it. Why? Because they're living mentally. You can only accept the spiritual things of God through your spirit. You got it? Your spirit is the most important part of your body. Or, or you know, of, your, of, your, of yourself. You're made up of three parts. The body's important. Okay? Without your body, you have to leave here. You can't stay. Because it gives you permission to stay on the planet. Your body, your physical body gives you permission to stay on the planet. The moment that your spirit and your body separate, you can't stay here any longer. That's why it's amazing, you know, to hear all these things that people come up with about uh, haunted houses or Uncle Fred still lives there. No, 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 no. Uncle Fred left when he, when he separated from his body. Those spirits are present. Yeah, and they're familiar. They know Uncle Fred better than he knows himself. But it ain't Uncle Fred that's there. It's familiar spirits. Okay, so, so the, the body gives us permission to stay here on the planet. And then we should learn, number two, number three, excuse me. We should learn the way of the Spirit. We can learn the way of the Spirit. A lot of times I've said this um, in talking to people and they, they make a statement like, God said that I'm supposed to do this. Well, I know better than that because that's not the way of the Spirit. That's not God's way. That's a man-made situation, and they think if they can identify it and tag it that God said, everybody will believe it. I don't believe it. Because I've spent 40 years, I don't know all there is to know about it, 
but I've spent 40 years learning the way of the Spirit. And it would behoove you to start adjusting your sights so that you can learn. It's not mental. Remember, got to understand this. The mind has nothing to do with spiritual things. So when you're learning the ways of the Spirit, you're learning in your spirit the ways of the Spirit. How does the Spirit work? Well, we use this illustration before. We'll do it again. Remember the illustration where, where Kenneth Hagin was having a conversation with Jesus Christ in a vision. Jesus was giving him instructions. And a demonic force, a demon, got between the two of them and was creating a ruckus and, uh, so that Kenneth Hagin could not hear what Jesus was saying. Jesus didn't stop and wait. He just kept right on going. And dad said, doesn't he, to himself, he said, doesn't he know I can't hear him? This is important. I need to hear. Why doesn't he stop the ways of the Spirit? Why doesn't he stop this? Remember? He said, why doesn't Jesus stop him? Why doesn't Jesus stop this demon? We're talking about the ways of the Spirit. What did Jesus say at the, at the end of this? What did he finally admit to? He said, I couldn't. And it shook Dad because he thought he said he wouldn't. And they went around and around. And every time they went around, Jesus got louder until he got the point across. I couldn't. You want to know the ways of the Spirit? Right there's an example. Is the ways of the Spirit. The Spirit will not interfere with stuff in your life. So when people say, you know, the Holy Ghost is, if it's interfering with the demonic forces in your life, He can't. Learn the ways of the Spirit. That's just an easy example. There are others. Learn the ways of the Spirit for your advantage. You're required. It's your responsibility to take authority over the powers of darkness. Amen. I don't know. I never, I never saw him anymore. That was the last time. And I was doing Bible studies all over, and I never got back around there again. So I don't know what the outcome was. But I do know that that was an obvious example of the ways of the Spirit. We should learn the ways of the Spirit so we can trace the guiding hand of love among all the circumstances that we encounter in our daily walk. Let's look more closely these things, considering the first the renewal of the Spirit. In order for us to benefit in our daily lives from the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, we must experience constant renewal of God's quickening power in our spirits by the Holy Spirit. Why are renewals of our spirits so important? Second Corinthians Fourth chapter, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perishes, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. The inward man is renewed day by day. The outward man is perishing, but the inward man is renewed day by day. You see, our bodies are continually growing older every day. Of course, persons who are strong in faith can delay the physical aging process to a, to a certain extent. However, none of us can totally prevent the body from growing older and eventually dying. But what happens to the inward man as our outward man is decaying, our inward man is renewed day by day. Now, let's go from there. Okay, here, here's where we inserted this, and we'll insert it again. The importance, the, 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 the importance of um, speaking in tongues is connected here. The renewal process of your spirit is, in, is connected to speaking in tongues. Now, 
I'm kind of reluctant to use praying in tongues because every time you speak in tongues isn't praying in tongues and every time you're praying in tongues isn't speaking in tongues. Those are two different events. Uh, and it's, they're closely related. So I just, I don't, I, to open it up, open the field up so that we don't get misinformed I just choose speaking in tongues, okay? But to, to pray in tongues, you speak in tongues too. But anyway, it's important that we uh, recognize what the Apostle Paul has to say in, uh, in Romans, or excuse me, in Corinthians pertaining to speaking in tongues. It's not a popular subject today in the church community because of, uh, because of uh, lack of knowledge, because it hasn't been talked about, hasn't been ex exhibited. It hasn't, people are not aware of it. They're afraid of it because they've uh, had some uh, erroneous teachings pertaining to it. Uh, it's not, uh, it, it's uh, a very godly event. It's very necessary in the spiritual after, in the spiritual growth of a person. Can you imagine what would happen tonight if every person in the body of Christ spoke in tongues? Now, it's supposed to be. As far as God's concerned, that's what he, that's what he wants. That's what he sees, but that's not what he's getting. That's not what's happening. There's a, I don't know, I don't even want to guess or estimate or guesstimate the number of people who are filled with the Holy Ghost and, pray, and speak in tongues and pray in tongues. But I'll tell you this much. Those are the persons, those are the people who can accomplish mighty works for God. Because it takes it takes the supernatural connection between a man's spirit and the elements of the world. The people who are not speaking in tongues are handicapped in life because God saw fit to use tongues as a supernatural event or connection to man's spirit. It's a connection between man's spirit, God's spirit, that is necessary. The more you speak in tongues, the greater the revelation you receive from the Holy Ghost. You, you know this going in. The more you speak in tongues, the more you're connected. Because see, the total event or the total, the, the total activity of tongues is supernatural. The the the, um, the the utterances that come out of your mouth are not man-made. That's the point. They're not man-made. The only part that man has in it is you being willing, your will, you're willing to submit your voice. That's all. You release your voice to the element of tongues. If you do not, there isn't any. And there are people who've been here before and we, we ask, you know, sometimes I don't have any problem with it, but a lot of people do because they want to get offended over it. They think that it isn't fair for someone to visit this church and then for us to attack them. 
That's what they think, that we attack them. No, that's our job. That's what we're here for. Why did you come here? A total stranger wanders in here? We want to know why are you here? If you don't pray in tongues, you need to pray in tongues. And if we don't tell you, who's going to? Oh, the guy down to Texaco Station? Right. No. That's what we you should expect it from us. Amen. This is a tongue-talking church. Amen. That's what we do. We know what tongues will do for you. We would be amiss if we didn't give the opportunity. Amen. Same thing about someone comes in. We want to know, are, are you, born, are you uh, redeemed? Are you reconciled to God? Well, you shouldn't say that. Why not? That's what we're all about. They need to know, are you reconciled to God or not? It's real simple. It's not hard to understand. You're not, then you need to be. You are great. How about next step? Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Do you pray in tongues? Well, the most of the time, the people who you ask that question, they're intimidated. Because they've never been to a church like this that point blank, up front, boldly, ask. Because we're supposed to bow our heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking. And get somebody to raise their hand. <laughs> and then we're supposed to say after that, all you who raise your hand, would you come forward? Well, I've watched that happen. <laughs> you get, what, 10%? Or sometimes you get nothing. They raise their hand. They ain't coming up. <laughs> so why don't you just cut to the chase and go right to the bottom line to start with? Do you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? We'll help you do that. But most of the time, people don't want to. They don't want to be filled. They're saying to themselves, all I want to do is get out of here. I ain't never coming back. I'm not called to minister to the people that want to run and hide. I'm called to people that want God, not people that don't want God. We minister to people that want God. We know how to show you God. We know how to introduce you to God. We know how to give you firsthand information about God. That's what this is all about. This is a connection from heaven. See, here's the whole point that most people don't understand. God raised this assembly up. We didn't. I was real happy doing what I was doing. I wasn't looking for a change of occupation. It was a shock to me. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't want to be a pastor. But do I want to be one now? Absolutely. Because God showed me that's what He wants me to be. I could do what I was doing without any problem. It was when I got over into God's business, I had to be trained by the Holy Ghost. This church is Holy Ghost led. The leadership of this church is Holy Ghost led. You might not like it, but there's not a lot I can do about it. Because here's what happens when people don't like it. They're mental. Their mind's giving them a fit. Well, the church I was raised up in didn't do this. That's too bad. Go back there. Why are you here? Why'd you? How come life got you here? Okay, we're here to help you. So you're never going to get into the supernatural events of God when you're pushing back against God all the time. You're never going to get healed. You're never going to get delivered. You're never going to live in victory. You're never going to get the things that God says are yours until you quit pushing back. All the time, pushing back. You know why people push back? Because their mind's not renewed. The mind's what's pushing back. But your spirit isn't strong enough in you to grasp and wrestle your mind. Because you haven't renewed your mind with the Word of God. You don't know what the words, you don't know what the Bible says. The majority of people today have no trust in this. They don't trust this.
realize that every word is God-breathed. Every period is God-breathed. Every comma is God-breathed. They don't realize that. They don't understand the significance of this book that's, that man has tried to stamp out from its conception and they've not succeeded. The supernatural, the supernatural way that this book was compiled ought to be enough. All the writers that were involved in this never knew each other and they wrote like they were sitting beside each other. But that never crosses people's mind because their mind tells them there's a better way than this way. There's a better way. I've had people tell me, well, I don't see the significant, I don't see any reason why I should speak in tongues. I said, that's very good because you never will. God didn't ask you to figure out a reason for it. He wrote it in here by the Apostle Paul and he told you all about it. And he said, every time you do it, you speak to him, not to man. But that's not good enough for you. You want something else because your mind's telling you to say that, not your spirit. It's, it's a mental exercise. Remember? The mind is not what God deals with. God deals with our spirits. Titus 3.5. Let me give you this one. Not, this is fantastic favorite scriptures, you know. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Shouting ground. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Since the regeneration is a work of the Holy Spirit, the daily renewal of our spirits will come through the same source. The same source. The Holy Spirit who dwells in our spirit. Ephesians 3.16 That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. In the, in the Apostle Paul's prayers for the Ephesian believers, we can see that it is the work of the Holy Spirit that brings about the renewing or the strengthening of our spirits day by day. And listen to me, folks. We need day by day strengthening to live in this world. Paul said that believers should be renewed or strengthened with might by God's Spirit in the inner man. Here's where we find that one filling or experience of the Holy Ghost is not sufficient. Daily renewals. Remember we talked about water in the well and water in the river? Yes. And we recognize that the water is, uh, is representation of the Holy Spirit. And the water in the well is for what? The water in the well is for us. And the water in the stream is for what? For us to minister to others. So uh, most people are settled down with the water in the well. That's where they are. They're trying to minister to others with water in the well. It won't work. It takes water in the stream. Takes water in the stream to minister to other people. See, when you try to minister to people with water from your well, there's no anointing on it and there's nothing to draw them to you. You don't make connection with them. But when you minister to them from the water in the stream, there's an anointing upon what you say there's anointing upon your life, and there's anointing upon you, and there's a connection. The people say to themselves, they'll even say sometimes, I don't know why. I don't know what it is. But there's something about you that's different. You know what that is? It's the anointing that they see. That's why you should be 
ministered to people from the water in the stream, not the water in the well. That's yours. That keeps you straight. Start ministering to people out of the water in the stream. Well, what does that mean? Tongues. Don't do anything without praying in tongues. Pray in tongues about everything. Pray in tongues about every time you minister to somebody. Pray in tongues before and pray in tongues after. Because when you leave them, you don't know what they're going to be doing. But if you can seal it with prayer in tongues. See, you're not talking to man now. You're speaking to God. And you don't even know what you're saying. But it needs to be said. Somebody's got to say it. God's not going to say it. That's what he put us here for. That's our responsibility, to say it in tongues so it can be accomplished. When we speak in tongues and we release the presence and the power of God in situations, then God can take that connection and do something with it. And that's what we need. That's what you need, and that's what we need. And there's thousands of people out here that you're coming in contact with every day they need it. Without it, they're not going to get, they're not going to make it. You know, handing them a track ain't going to make it. The track business went out a long time ago. That used to be the way everybody would, you know, hide tracks in phone booths. Well, hey, there ain't no more phone booths. Now what? Water from the stream. 